Hello and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Matt Sutton is the founder of Lifestyle Performance Transformations. The concept, LPT for short, was born from Matt's vision when he was a young and fit personal trainer just starting his career after age 27 when he was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of cancer. In battling his illness, Matt discovered the power of using nutrition and mindset alongside physical fitness for improving health and wellness. With this newfound knowledge and lease on life, he changed his whole approach to helping people get the results they desired by using a holistic approach to health. Within a year of using his new method, Matt was achieving transformational results with his clients. As a result, he has been featured in radio programs, podcasts, and newspapers, and was awarded the World Fitness Elite Personal Trainer of the Year in 2012. He is the host of the Mastering You podcast with Matt Sutton, which I really love, in part because he was kind enough to host me on his podcast on episode 81. Matt Sutton, what a pleasure to be able to host you on our show, Boundless Body Radio. Welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Casey. It's an absolute privilege. And um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, can have some good uh, chat and share some awesome wisdom today. Yeah, absolutely, man. I really enjoyed appearing on your show. You're a great podcast host and it was a really fun conversation. I know we'll have another one. I was just listening to your latest episode all about finances. What an, what an interesting topic and what an interesting dude you interviewed. Um, can you talk a little bit about that episode? Yeah, Robert, Robert Rappel. He, he was great. What an energy that guy has. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just love the whole podcasting thing. It's been you know, it's been very timely. I know it has for you as well during these last chaotic 18 months. And, but being able to talk to people like Robert and, you know, just obviously our whole concept at Mastering You is, is looking at all the different areas of life to enhance ourselves. Too often we just focus on one area. And so, you know, financial um, health, I guess, is one aspect of health and fitness you know if, if you're constantly stressed or worried about your finances then you know that's going to have a massive impact not just on the finances but on your health on your mental and emotional health as well i could not agree more i've been following a person on um, instagram who does some financial counseling and it's great stuff like i love his work and i reached out uh, to his people and just said, Hey, we would love to host you on our podcast to discuss finances, because I think this is really important. And I got a response back that said, we don't really feel like we're a good fit because you're talking about health and fitness. And I was like, mm. that's so stupid. Like that it's all connected. Like your financial health is part of your health and well being. Like I am so bummed out that they turned me down because they thought we're just talking about like chest presses and treadmills or something. Like it's such an interesting part of life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. Funny enough, I did exactly the same. I, I, I relatively mutual contact and she's um, absolutely blown away the podcasting world in the UK. And um, she had her, her whole um, niche is on financial health. And um, so we've, I'm going to be um, getting her on the show in September, but no, I think, I think finances is really important. I think obviously with the whole, what you know, people are losing their jobs right now. People are are worried about their finances more than ever before. And it's quite interesting because I've done a podcast actually on the concept of investment and how you think about cost. You know, a lot of people will, you know, they'll look at maybe our own charges of what we charge for a a transformation and and the food that we sort of recommend people eat and, you know, the type of training that we recommend them do. And then they look at the cost and, you know, it's very easy and I completely understand why they do it, but, you know, you look at the cost of what maybe the program is or the package is and not looking at what the end outcome is and and how that repays you back. I guess it's a bit like saving money, right? You know, you want, where we all should be saving more money, but in the moment we, we sort of, our survival brain just wants to keep hold of that and not spend any. Whereas if we put some away for um, the future, it's going to repay us. And the same goes with the health. You know, it's like you chip away at your health through good diet, you know, regular exercise. Yeah, there's going to be days when you just don't want to do it, you know. But even that 10, 15 minutes, whether it's just doing some mobility or doing some deep breathing or doing some meditation, you know, it's those, I always say to my members, it's not the days when you're feeling like you're going to hit a personal best on your deadlift or on your bench press or on your 10K run. 
it's the days when you don't want to even get to the gym or go for that run. Those are the ones that really count. Those are the ones that you want to be counting because you're probably going to have at least, depending on the person, at least sort of three to five of them per month, right? Mm. So over the course of a year, you're looking at anywhere between 36 to 50 days a year where you could look back and you say, you know what? I did that that day and I feel bloody good for it. You know, I feel, I'm, I feel um, I, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think it's so, so important to establish those routines and to stick with them on the days that you don't necessarily want to be working out because that's where you're building the resilience. It's not, like you said, it's not the days where you're feeling amazing. You go, you know, have a great workout because you felt great. It's, it, you're right. It's a consistency. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't want to work out. You don't feel great. But, by getting out and doing something and establishing routines and habits and things like that. I think I, I couldn't agree more that that's a great way to build up your resiliency. I'm curious how that panned out in your life. I would love to hear your life story and um, how you were able to build up resiliency that later on paid you off. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much not your average PT or fitness entrepreneur. I, I grew up in snooker and billiard halls in the UK um, as a child, that was where I spent most of my time. Uh, and I had the aspirations to become a, a professional snooker player and, you know, wow. video player later on. And I ended up, you know, following that dream and went semi-pro, uh, for a couple of years. I, I, I switched to billiards when I was younger and ended up winning a boys billiards championship followed by a junior championship. And then I ended up winning the English championship five times. Cool. And, Initially, the, the I, I was always into fitness. Um, uh, when I was younger, when I was sort of in my early days, you know, I was in, I was into all sports like tennis and football, and and also like snooker. And you know, one day, my, my, I always remember my dad sort of sat me down and said, "Look, you got to choose. You're at that age now where you're going to have to choose." I think it's quite a good life lesson as well. There's going there comes a point where you can juggle three balls. But if you juggle just one, you get amazing at that one thing. And, you know, my passion was for snooker. So I, I chose that and I dropped everything else. And yeah, over the next sort of 10, 15 years, you know, won probably 15, 20 national to county championships, uh, made the quarterfinals of the world championships as wow, well. Cool. Twice. Um, yeah. And it took me around the world, it took me on an on a awesome journey, you know, traveling the world. And the cool thing about being a personal trainer and a self-employed personal trainer was I could choose my own hours. And that was always, that was always where self-employment started for me is that the freedom to pursue my passion, which was traveling and playing my sport, but also I could also enjoy helping people get fitter and stronger. Um, but then things turned, you know, somewhat, you know, I, I really started to get into fitness world. And, and, and as you know, it's just so addictive. Like once you start to learn about training and, you know, you just want to learn more and more. Um, and I started to learn about business as well. I really enjoyed that. I was always quite entrepreneurial as a, as a young child. And, and then my world kind of changed at age 27. Like you said, at the start of the episode, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer. It was pretty serious. And at the time, you know, the business was going well, but I just quit my sort of part-time instructor job at the gym, which was my safety net, you know? So like what happens for anyone that doesn't really know the career of a PT, a lot of them will, they'll, they'll have like maybe a part-time role as a fitness instructor where they'll do the cleaning down the equipment and doing the assessments with new members. But then on the side, they maybe earn more bit of money to become a PT. And yeah, I, I, I had that set up and it was going quite well, but I decided that I want to go all in and, and really build a proper business. Um, but I was just a one man band, Casey, you know, I had boot camps. Um, I built the boot camp up relatively well. I was doing work in nursing homes, in schools, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but I was doing it all myself. And so obviously when the cancer hit and I couldn't do anything, it put me in a bit of a tricky situation. You know, I, I quit my, my sort of contracted role. So I'd literally had no money coming in and it was, it was just we'd, not long. Me and my, my wife had just bought a house and obviously the mortgages that go with that didn't make oh, that ideal timing. Man. And um, we also had the financial crisis not long before that. 
So um, my wife's job was in jeopardy too. So it was, you know, we, we joked about, you know, five minutes ago about how financial health is important. And certainly at that time, you know, my own training was definitely getting suffered because I was putting all my time and effort into working out how we're going to sort of pay our mortgage and survive. So, so, but, but you know, the light at the end of the tunnel was it, it taught me a lot of lessons. So number one, if you're self-employed and you are just the only one to rely on, then that's not a great long-term business model. You can get sick. Um, and I think in your twenties, you think you're indestructible. You never think it's going to happen to you, Yeah. but, um, it did. And, you know, I, I couldn't really work, you know, sort of, uh, having chemo every couple of weeks. Wow. And, you know, so, but what it did do is it forced me into outsourcing, you know, what business I did have. And I started taking trainers on and started building a team and, you know, I've never gone back since. And that was, some um, 10, 11 years ago now. Wow. So, it was really, I guess it was the start of understanding, you know, how you go from being employed to then going self-employed to then becoming an actual business owner. Mm. Um, so that was the, the lessons in terms of, you know, growing my business. And then the, the lessons came from understanding health in more, more detail, because when I had the, when I was diagnosed with the cancer, that that's probably the fittest I've ever been in my life. So, you know, um, to this day, I've, I don't think I've ever got back to that level of fitness. I was, you know, running sort of 50, 60 miles a week, I had a lot of runners that I trained back then. I was teaching two to three classes a day. I was strength training three or four days a week. I was just like a machine and um, wow. I just loved, loved training. And then, and then, I, you know, I got hit by this thunderbolt in my life and it kind of taught me, you, you know, fitness is really good and it's really important. And, you know, I had a good physique, but it, I realized that that's not even anywhere near half of it, you know? So I really went on a bit of a rabbit hole over the next few years, really diving deeper into nutrition, um, initially just as a survival mechanism, just to kind of learn how I could overcome this cancer better and how I can recover better. And then later on, you know, once I started implementing that, and, you know, after the 12 months of chemo and got the all clear, thankfully, you know, started implementing that in the business and just started getting amazing results. And yeah, it's been so, you know, it's like the conversation I have a lot with people on my show, and I'm sure maybe you've had the same is often that the biggest light comes from going to the, the biggest darkness. Mm. I, yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you went there. I was just going to ask you the same thing, like what blessings came from that diagnosis? Because I mean, I've been around people who have been diagnosed with cancer, and, and initially it just sucks. Like there's no redeeming qualities about it, but yet there there seems to be other things that come from that 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 people could never have imagined. I'm just curious, what other like blessings you you gained from that diagnosis? I don't think it, I don't think that stopped. I think it's. I don't think I've ever really completely accepted it all either. I think it's a constant thing when, when you've sort of faced the <laughs> impending doom and, it, and it's, you know, at such a young age, you just don't, I mean, we were told, you know, me, me and my wife were told we'd probably never have children. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't know if we'd get married. And so, you know, to, to now be married and, and have two children and have a wow. successful business, it's, it's, you know, I can't be more grateful. Um, but I don't think my work's done in, in, in learning from this. I think, you know, there's a lot to be done in, in the world of cancer, but not as it is currently. A lot of the solutions are based on how can we help people when they're at their sickest? What are the drugs that we can find that are going to help people when you know, they're about to die? Whereas, you know, really, I think we can do a much better job in actually diagnosing cancers much earlier. I think it, it will save millions and millions of lives mm. if that can happen. And it's one of my missions with LPT going forward is, is, is a much better health assessment for people. I think they deserve it. I don't think we need to wait so long until we start addressing disease factors. Mm. Well, so I'm curious, you said you had a deep dive into, you know, nutrition and fitness and things like that. What, what were some of the guiding principles that you discovered through going through that process? So one of my mentors um, that I've had on my show, Dax Moy, a very well-known um, personal trainer, probably uh, at one time was that he would 
I think he, he was known to, to have the highest charge PT in the in the UK, tra- trained royalty and celebrities. Um, he he had, had brought out a, a diet book, you know, but this is back in the early days of the internet called The Elimination Diet. I think it's been da- downloaded some hundred, hundreds and hundreds of thousands or half a million times. And um, that, that firstly opened my eyes because I, I really had no idea of just the impact of processed foods and what, what comes alongside foods that we're just not aware of, you know, because uh, the way I see it in, you know, current in, in where we are today is that we really do face a bit of a swimming against the tide type thing. You know, we, the media and the messages that we're being given about what is healthy is, is kind of blurred a little bit. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And so it takes it takes a lot of study to really understand what's really going on, and so I followed Dax's um, twenty eight day elimination diet, which basically requires you. There's different levels to it, but I just went straight to the hardest level, which was to cut out coffee, to cut out al- all alcohol, and um, basically processed food, wheat, gluten, and dairy. Okay, so when you cut out all of those food groups, you know a lot of people were like, "Well, what can you eat?" So you know, grass-fed you know, meats, um, you know, fish, you know, lots of vegetables, we can eat fruits. So there's still a lot you can eat. And, and in some ways, having that kind of restrictiveness and really kind of refining what you can eat actually helps you in deciding what to eat. Because if you think about this, there's so much food available to us these days. You know, when someone says eat healthy, well, where do I start? So actually restricting things back helps a little bit. And I found it quite easy. Drinking lots of water was part of the protocol. And I just felt just amazing. I didn't realize I could feel so good, you know, having been what I, I consider myself pretty healthy. And if anyone had asked me at the time, you know, what's your diet like? I would have told them the same thing that most members that come to LPT say to me when I used to ask that question. I don't ask that question anymore because obviously if you ask someone, is their diet good? you know, that's all down to their perspective of what good is. Um, but yeah, I felt, I felt really good. And so then I started to really deep dive into understanding, well, why do I feel so good? What is it about these chemicals, these additives, these, um, preservatives, these emulsifiers? Why, why is this added to food firstly? And why is it impacting me in such a way? Um, and, yeah. So, so again, like knowledge is power, right? Once you understand the reasons to that, it actually be, becomes far easier to stick to a, a cleaner diet. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm, I'm curious to know if you experience this. I, it seems like a lot of my clients, when we start to change their diet, some of those foods, you know, the real foods, the whole foods, the you know, what is actually <laughs> food. It, it's almost like in the beginning, it's almost a little bit bland. It doesn't have the same kind of um, I guess, attraction that some of those processed foods have that are designed to be the maximally sweet and sugary and salty and fatty all combined together to make this like highly addictive and, and, you know, Mm. really enticing product. But over time, it's almost like the thing flips, right? Like the bland foods are no longer bland. They actually have tons of flavor and they're really tasty and easy to make and really not very expensive. And if you go back and eat some of the processed foods, it's actually like, pretty disgusting. Did you notice that? Oh, hundred percent. I I've spoken about this before. I, I kind of believe that when you're eating regular, regularly processed foods, uh, it's almost like putting a blindfold on your taste buds, like your, your taste buds, they just don't work as well. So after uh, I actually went on this diet whilst, you know, having cancer and, you know, one of the things that I found is my body would start to crave certain healthy foods that I've never experienced before. And it was all almost like, because my body had been kind of detoxified. And I mean, this is, this is obviously, there's no science to this particularly. This is just a a feeling that I had at the time and, and a sort of a thought process that I've had since. But I just feel like when you're eating nice and clean, you're detoxifying your body, you're sweating, you're drinking plenty of good you know, water, your body will tell you what you need. I mean, uh, one of the things that I found after each chemo is my body would crave broccoli. So, wow. so I would go home and my wife would say, what do you want for dinner? 
I'll just have a massive plate of broccoli. Like, <laughs> and it sounds crazy, but, um, and it, do you know what, Casey? It tasted amazing. It tasted, wow. you know how, you know, when you, you bite into a steak, like, and you're like, oh my God, that's good. So good. I, I, I'm not lying. It tasted amazing. And, it, and I think it did because my body was thanking me for the nutrients that it really required. Obviously, you know, chemotherapy is, is not what you want to have to go through. It's going to kill every cell in your body. But it almost felt like my body was saying, you know, we need to repair quickly. You know, broccoli is one of those superfoods. And, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, it, it really did have a, a big impact on me. That's amazing. I mean, you hear stories like that in the animal kingdom all the time of like a certain animal will, you know, graze on certain plants for, for no other reason than for whatever reason that they're craving it. And I, I totally agree with you that like, if we, you know, eliminate some of this crappy, you know, processed food and just allow our bodies to tell us what it needs. I think it's, it, the body is so intelligent and ready to show us what foods we need at what times, even if it changes, it could be different based on the season or whatever it needs. We just, we just need to tune in and listen to that a little bit better. You are somebody that really puts a heavy emphasis on behavior change and mindset and, you know, modification of habits, which I really, really love. And I'm really curious to know what was different about you that you decided to be motivated enough to change your diet? Was it because you had the cancer diagnosis and that forced you to be extremely motivated? Or was it something about you innately that, that wanted to make that change? I think initially it was a, it was purely like a survival mechanism. Like you know, in your twenties as a PT, you know, I, I was I, I, quite honestly, I didn't really have to even worry too much about my nutrition because I was training that much. Um, it you know, I, I was just burning calories at, at will. But um, you know, having gone through the process of really understanding and going into the power of nutrition more deeply. And then feeling the benefits, then I like, wow, like, why have I been missing this trick? Because uh, I'm sure it might be the same with you, Casey, like in the UK, when you train to become a PT, you know, the, the amount of, uh, sort of units sections that are on actual nutrition, it is very kind of limited. So you've really got to go on your own journey to, to really, kind of certify yourself and deeper level of nutrition. And so, yeah, so doing that and adding that, that bolt on, you know, it sounds so simple, but adding that bolt on when I did that and added that to the fitness, to my group training, you know, immediately we got some amazing results. I mean, you know, one lady, she's still with us today. She, she lost four stone within the first 12 weeks. And she then went on to, to run half marathons, 10 Ks, this is someone that had never stepped foot in the gym in her life. Um, she was too shy and too scared to, to even go out of house at one point because she had that little self-confidence, you know, and then suddenly she's completely transformed her body. Wow. Um, we, had a, we had a couple that lost, uh, they lost about 10 stone between them two. And uh, they did that again in about 12, 16 weeks. Uh, yeah, and it was, just, it was just transformation after transformation. However... Um, you know, I'm a perfectionist and, and there would be a, a subset of people that would join our program that wouldn't get those results, you know, and I'm talking like sort of 20%, 15, 20%. And that didn't sort of sit right with me. You know, I was like, well, how, how is it that these people are getting amazing results and these people aren't? What's, what's the, what is the factor there? That's the limiting factor. And, and it really just came boiled down to mindset when I sort of dug deep. And understanding, you know, behavior changing in more detail. So that that then took me on another rabbit hole of, to this day, that I'm still really, I think with regards to mindset and behavior change, uh, I think it's like one of those things that we're even today, we've got a lot of research and, you know, the, the new evidence on sort of neuroplasticity which has shown just, you know, how much we can change the brain. Because obviously there was a time when it was thought that you just, you had your brain, that, that you've got what you've got and that's kind of it. But the studies in neuroplasticity in the last sort of, 10, 15 years have just really shown how much 
autonomy that we do have to change our brain. Mm. Um, and you know, you've got books coming out now that are proving this. So, but, um, for me going down that rabbit hole has been an absolute game changer for my personal life, but also to help, help our members. Mm. So I'm curious to, to dive into that rabbit hole with you. I mean, we interviewed Chris Cook um, from your country. He represented Great Britain twice in the Olympics in the breaststroke. And he taught us like the, the concept of like, you can't, I have to swim my own laps. I can't swim anybody else's laps. I have to do the work for myself. And I think you and I both have had that frustration of like, you've got a client, you know what they can experience, you know, the sacrifice that they have to put in will seem like a lot in the beginning, but once they start seeing the results, they will be in such a better spot, but, but you can't swim their laps for them. And it's so frustrating to see them, you know, maybe not, not doing the work that you want them to do, or you want to, you want to really give them those results. And so I'm curious to know, like, what things have you learned to help inspire and motivate people to change their behaviors in a way that will pay them back and make them more healthy? Yeah, so I, I well, I firstly I've got to credit Dax again. It's the second time I've men- mentioned Dax Moy. Um, I mean, you know, he's just he's been one of the biggest influences in. I would say, you know, when you look at UK PTs, um, he's been one of the biggest influences to us because um, his his own work has just been transformational, and and you know, his own story it shares why he went down this rabbit hole with his own. Um, challenges with PTSD. Um, he was uh, he actually helped. Uh, he's got an amazing story of how how he saved uh, countless people during the tsunami. I can't remember when the tsunami was, but he was there saving lives. And um, the one in Indonesia, and the the one that killed uh, thousands and thousands of people yeah. it was in the Thailand. 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 Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so off the back of that, um, Dax created my map. Um, I, I qualified in my map and it's really understanding, you know, why we have the thoughts that we have, why, wh- why it is that even when we want something so much, you know, wh- whether it's weight loss, whether it's a career change, why we stay stagnant, why don't we take action? And like you say, as a personal trainer, it, it can be one of the most frustrating things when you know, listen, if you follow this program and follow this nutrition program, you're going to get the result that you want. It's just that simple. We know that, but you know, it's not until the client is able mentally and physically to actually go through with that, that they're going to ever get the result. And it's like I say to a lot of people that the best idea is your idea. You know, we can give people the ideas, we can give people the protocols to follow, but until they are fully on board with it, until they're fully engaged with it and they understand it for themselves, they're not going to, they're not going to go for it, you know? And and that's why for many people, even listening to this podcast, if you think about the times in your life, when you've achieved the most transformational thing, the things that you're most proud of, you know, for you, Casey, for anyone listening, think of, think of the things that you're most proud of. The chances are it was your idea. You know, you decided you made that choice. Mm. And this is, this is so important in autonomy, you know, um, you, you look at the studies show it, you know, even in, in the workplace as well. If we give employees the chance to make some decisions, they are often more passionate about the projects that they're working on. Um, but the same goes with weight loss journeys. So as a coach, what I do to, and that was an absolute game changer, by the way, for me, when, once I understood that and Dax would basically say, look, you know, obviously there's neuroscience behind why this is. And we can go into that. But basically, you know, as a coach, we're just standing at a crossroads and we're saying, look, you can go this way, this way, or this way. These, this is what you need to do if you go this way. You know, these are the ramifications of going this way. Which way do you want to go? And, and kind of let, let, let clients, I think it's probably one of the biggest mistakes PTs make is that is they're too rigid on saying you've got to follow this path, you know. And sometimes people need to find their own way because that's the way that they're going to learn. It's the way that they're going to, it's like anything in life. You, you kind of enjoy the journey, right? Yeah. Um, so, so why do we, why do we get hold, held back by, you know, you know, all these, why is it that we can't just give someone a plan and they just follow it? Well, obviously it's all our past experiences from a child, 
you know, from the beliefs that we hold around what's possible. You know, we, our unconscious mind is obviously controlling us like 80, 90% of the time. So we often, you know, for, for that 20% of the time, yeah, you can give someone a plan and they'll just follow it, you know. But for other people, it really depends on if it fits in with their own values, with their own time constraints, with their own experiences. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's one of the places that we generally start is just just looking deeper into what do they really value? Why is why is X, Y, Z important to them? And, you know, we take things from there. Mm. Well, you just kind of answered the next question I was going to ask, which is like for a lot of people, I don't. I don't worry about them if they have started. Like if you have taken a start, you're on the path. I don't really worry because it could take however long. I know you're on the path. You're going to get there eventually. You can enjoy the journey. Um, but oftentimes it's, it's, it is getting somebody started. And you just kind of answer that question on what's the best way to get somebody started on that path. I'm wondering if, if you have any other ideas on how to help people get started. Is it like you said, where you just offer a few options and see which one that person wants to do for themselves? Yeah, it pretty much is. It's um, exploring, exploration you know, exploring what the possibilities, um, asking them the question is really important. And, and you know, anyone listening, you can do this yourself by, by just journaling it and just, you know, what is it I, I want? If, if, I can, if I can remove all restrictions and all limiting beliefs away, what are the first sort of three to five things that come to my mind? Because often what we think that we want is is not what we want <laughs> okay what we think we want is often based on what we've seen today on instagram or what other people have what what are you know trying to keep up with the joneses the the big house and the two cars and, and the blah 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 but actually what is it that would truly fulfill you those are questions that are, that are a little bit deeper but by answering those questions you know you can save many years of frustration and feeling like a loser and and, and living this kind of like life where you, you're not really being true to yourself. Mm. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. People think they want to win the fitness show or they want to, you know, participate in the half Ironman or they want to run the marathon. And those are all great goals, but so many people get to what they think is the arrival and they're no happier. It didn't give them what they thought they wanted and it's like you said earlier, it, it's, the joy is not in performing that one thing. It's, it's the joy of learning that you can be resilient on Tuesday at five in the morning when you don't want to wake up to go do your workout, but you do anyway. That's how you become strong. So yeah. That Sorry, that, that, that does interlink with one of um, my favorite quotes from, from Dax as well is the thing is not the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So where people think the problem is, you know, if you say, oh, what, what, why are you upset for? What, why is, you know, what, why are you down at the moment oh i'm overweight or i'm eating too much or i'm not fit enough i'm so that's there's always a label for something that's far deeper right so if someone comes to uk since as well i'm overweight i think it's because i'm you know i just liver i eat the wrong foods that that is not the actual problem right so this is a really important part of behavior change is actually diagnosing the problem so like i mentioned earlier like I'm really passionate about you know being cancer diagnosis. It's happening far earlier, but we don't have to go that 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 deep, right? We can go higher level, and you know, let's look at the real problem. So, let's say you have got a stone or two stones to lose. How can we diagnose the problem from there? What is the actual problem? You know, is it the food that you're eating, or is it the fact that you're buying that food? So maybe that's where the issue is. You're buying that food, but maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem is you're going shopping when you're hungry. How many times have you been shopping when you're hungry and you just, you know, you're like, you've got an idea of what you want and then you end up grabbing the cookies and <laughs> yeah, the, <not> good. <laughs> the chips and the, yeah. Not good. So, so maybe that's the problem. Maybe, you know, you need to go with a shopping list or maybe even better, you could just shop online so you don't even have to put yourself in that situation so you're not going to be, you know, craving certain foods. Mm. Um, so, so it's kind of like there's depths and there's depths and there's depths until you actually get to, and, and maybe that's not a problem. Maybe the problem is you don't actually know enough about nutrition to know, well, what does my body need? What, what would be a good diet based on the training that I'm doing? And so then the problem is, well, okay, I need to find a trainer. 
that understands that. And then, so then so you can go deeper and deeper until you actually get to an action that's going to take you one step forward, right? Mm. One step forward. And so you asked me earlier, where do people start? It's, it's diagnosing the, what you th- initially think the problem is to the point where you can make that first step forward. Mm. That's great. I'm so glad you mentioned journaling. I think there's something magical about putting a pen to paper and having that tactile thing. It almost feels like your hand moves in a way that's like independent of your body almost. The different insights come out that that I, I don't think would necessarily come out if you were talking or whatever. And one exercise I'll have somebody do, and I, I practice myself, is to write down maybe some, some behavior changes that you want to make and then assign maybe like a scale of like one to 10. 10 being like, this is going to be the hardest thing you could possibly do. And one could be something that's like, yeah, that's not even a thing. Like I could easily do that in my sleep. That's not a big problem. And I, and I try to have people kind of write a few things down and maybe like at the top of the list, a 10 would be like quitting soda, quitting smoking, um, turning off Netflix before, you know, midnight or whatever. And maybe some easy things would be like, you know, taking a 10 minute walk or something like that. And I really encourage people to start at the bottom of the list and get some really easy wins under their belt. And that tends to build momentum. Is that something you've noticed as well? Yeah, and and this this kind of like nicely interlinks with the the neuroscience side of things. So that was one of the things that I, I'd heard about journaling. I'd heard about all of these different strategies, but again, it wasn't until I understood the science. Like for me, I, I've always been one of these people that likes to know the why behind things because it it kind of like helps me put a seal on it and, and really seal of approval on it. And you know, we we know that habit change is created through repetition. Right. So that, that's that that is the absolute key. So just journaling and writing down the things that you want the most and, and all the things that you need to change and bring in attention to those things, you know, regularly, not just once a year when you want to set your New Year's resolutions, but like daily or at least weekly. You know, what are my goals? What are my intentions for this week? And, and, and bringing that bringing your mind back to that each day or each week that creates the repetition that creates the habit. Um, so if you want to know, well, how do I create new habits? Well, what we do know about habits is it's very difficult to, you can't just remove a habit, a bad habit that's been created over many years. It's not just going to disappear, but what you can do is you can create the repetitions around new and better habits um, for those to overtake the, the what we class as as bad habits. It's almost like we'll take the example of smoking. Like one of the things that smokers experience when they try to quit is they need something in their hand, right? Like it it would be like replacing that, you know, the cigarette with something Mm. else that you can put in your hand and have that tactile thing there because initially that's part of the things they miss, right? Yeah. And I think I made that, that mistake when I was younger, like a lot of PTs do where you, and I did this with elimination diet and you tell people you can't eat this. Right. So that's one of the things. Well, obviously, with the elimination diet, the whole concept is eliminating X, Y, Z. But instead of saying you can't have gluten, wheat, dairy, processed foods, caffeine, alcohol, instead, a better way of doing it is say these are the foods that you can have. Mm. You know, you can have vegetables, you can have fruits, you can have you can have this beef, you can have pork, you can have turkey, you can have salmon, you can like so. That, that's a really good strategy in general, because let's face it, we've all got that inner child in us where if someone tells you you can't have something, or even if you tell yourself, oh, I shouldn't have this, like I'm, you go out for a social occasion, I shouldn't have this drink, I shouldn't have this, this snack. You know, what happens? You want it like 10 times more. Of course. Um, so how do you overcome that, that sensation? You quickly switch your attention to something that would be more in alignment with your goals, you know? Um, and that's where, that's like a brain hack. You know, you, you literally, you can use your brain to hack that, that sort of, I, I mean, studies have shown that just thinking about, you know, chocolate or, or sweets or ice cream, whatever your kind of vice is, uh, immediately your body's physiology will change to salvate you're, you're you're literally salvate and you'll start and you'll be basically telling your body I, I i want this and your blood sugar levels will slightly lower 
and your body will crave that sugar even more to bring those blood sugars back up. Mm. So this isn't like woo-woo stuff. This is this is actual science. And that, this is why, you know, it's so understandable. Like anyone listening who has real sugar sugar problems, like vices, it's it's not your fault. It's your body working how it's meant to work. Yeah. It's it's just working well. Mm. But we can do, we can make changes to overcome these sugar cravings. Yeah, that's a really good point. We did an in-person interview with a dietitian and author of The One Two Punch. Her name is Claudia Wilson. And during the interview, she said, Don't look at my earrings. <laughs> what do you think I stared at the entire interview? I've looked at her earrings. And she did that to prove the point that, like, yeah, if I tell you don't drink soda, 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 soda. Like that's all you're going to think about. I love the approach that you take that's like, it's not about a deficit for now. You probably tried that if you've done a diet and felt awful and felt hungry all the time. It's more about addition. Think about the things you can have. It's not about, you know, eliminating all the things that make you feel good necessarily, at least in the beginning. It's more like, no, have more of these certain things. And that way it's a, it's more of a positive way to look at things versus kind of that deficit mindset. Um, so I think that's a great way to approach it. You kind of have this really cool system, uh, the TPC method, which I believe you coined. I, I would love to hear some of the details about that and how you use those different methods um, and how you group them together to help your people see such transformational results. Yeah, yeah. So the, the TCP method is essentially the uh, the journey that my business has gone on if i'm really honest so the t stands for the training so the personal training so I'm, I'm a really big believer in training as opposed to working out so a lot of people don't really understand the difference but for, for me working out is you are exercising for the means of either sort of community you know having fun with your friends which is absolutely awesome which is great you know you're going for a jog with your friends or maybe you're playing some sport or you're just going for the calorific burn you know you're just going to the gym and you're doing a spinning class just for the sake of burning some calories then you've got training so training is you're you're actually working towards an end outcome so it might be an end outcome in four weeks six weeks 12 weeks maybe you've got you know a tough mother or maybe you've got like um you're training for a show or whatever it is, but you're you're training for an end specific outcome. Maybe it's as specific as losing five percent body fat. And the benefit of a training program or a training protocol is that you can reverse engineer that process right back. Okay, all the way back to where where you should start from. And obviously, you know that requires expertise and requires a PT that knows how to program well. I really love programming. I don't like UKC. I just find it fascinating. And, um, and that's, so that's the difference. That's why the, the T is there. And then moving on to the C, the C is obviously the coaching. So I call it the, the transformation coaching. We do a few different types of coaching at LPT. So one is more kind of instruction-based, which is more around like giving people the, the help they need with the nutrition and understanding which recipes and understanding, you know, the, the habits. And then it's more of the mindset uh, we have like this self-upgrade coaching, which is more about understanding when threat is entering your, your body. So threat meaning your, your mind is operating more from a survival mechanism rather than a, a thriving mechanism. Okay. Um, and then lastly, the P is just personal development. I'm just a massive fan of personal development. I think it's that the miss it's like the missing link for a lot of people, you know, because ultimately that there's so many areas to health, wellness, performance. Uh, we call it a, living a triple H life for LPT. So health, happiness, high performance. You know, you can't really have one without the other. They all work synergistically. So, but how do you achieve that? Well, you need to be working on your own self and personal development every day in some respect, whether it is just improving your sleep, improving your self-awareness, working on your breath work, there's just always something else. And um, that's why I started Mastering You is, is to talk to people like yourself and, and other experts and, and, and really kind of sell the concept. Because I don't know about you, Casey, this has been the biggest kind of challenge is, is getting people on this journey. Because, you know, as consumers, most of the population is so used to being just exposed to the, the fitness side and the nutrition side of improving themselves and their health and well-being. But the other aspects are a kind of more of a niche crowd. 
Mm. Wow. Well, I wanted to talk to you about your podcast. And again, I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to be counted with some of your guests. You, you do a really amazing job and have really amazing conversations with fantastic guests. And I'm wondering, you know, I, for me personally, I have noticed a massive amount of imposter syndrome when I am doing these podcasts. I, I have a really difficult time thinking that I have a voice or that I can help somebody tell their story in a way that somebody else hasn't already captured. And I'm wondering, you know, and that's been challenging for me. And so I'm wondering like, what, what kinds of resistance did you have to overcome to start the podcast? And was it something you were kicking around for a long time before you actually fully started? It was about two years, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) It was about two years. Um, I, I, I made the decision a couple of years ago that I needed to fail more. Um, it sounds kind of strange, huh. but you, you know, if, if you've studied personal development, one of the things that you'll hear a lot about with the super successful is the amount of times they fail, right? You know, whether it's the Tim Ferriss, you know, of the world who, who had their book denied like 50 times before they, it became a bestseller or wow. you know, there's just countless example after countless example and, you know, a couple of years ago, I was thinking, oh, I'm doing okay, but I, I really want to sort of move things on quicker. And I know that one of the things one of these, we can measure that is how often we feel uncomfortable and how often we fail and, and, and things maybe we try something that just doesn't work out. And so I decided that I, I just start the podcast, not because I was hoping it would fail, but I thought, well, if it does, then at least that ticks a box. Ah. <laughs> at least that ticks a box of things that I can put down. And But what I've kind of found is, I don't know if you follow a guy called Dan Sullivan um, from The Strategic Coach, but one of my favorite things that I've ever learned from him, and this is, this is so ap- applicable to anyone really in health, wellness, fitness, is what he calls the strategic byproduct, right? So what a strategic byproduct is, is it's basically you go for a goal and whenever you go for a goal, if you're feeling a little bit apprehensive about that goal, you look at all of all the other benefits that could come along the way that would override the failure of achieving that goal. And often what you find is they end up being more powerful and more impactful than the actual goal itself, right? Mm. So for me, I think I actually think I share what mine were in one of the first few episodes, I actually decided to be extremely transparent and say, look, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I'm going to do it. And this is what my expectations are. If one person listens, but I get to speak to loads of cool people, I'm going to learn lots of things. I'm going to meet new, new people. I'm going to make new contacts. You know, it's going to give me content for the future. It's going to be acting as a legacy. And, you know, people, anyone listening, people can use this process. If you've got a goal that you, you've been thinking about for a long time, but you keep procrastinating on it, you know, think rather than focusing just on that goal, what are the strategic byproducts that you could get from that goal? Maybe it's a race. Who are the trainers that you could meet along the way? You know, what are the, the routes that you could go on experience that you'd never thought about? You, you can go on and on and on, Casey, with it. And once you have like five or 10 byproducts that, that almost you think, wow, if I achieve all of them, then the goal would just be a bonus. Wow. Matt, that is so beautifully said. I love that. And, you know, I you kind of alluded to this as well, but like how amazing is it for you to be able to interview some of your heroes and some of these people that like, are, are such high achievers that you've looked up to for so long, or you've heard their content, you've read their books, and they say yes to a conversation, and all of a sudden you find themselves talking to them. What has that meant to you? Yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, this the thing. I mean, we, we, we're living in a time where technology gets a bit, bit of a bashing, and and sometimes we understand why that is. It can be very highly ad- addictive. But I think it's like anything in life. It really depends how you use it. And, you know, the, the podcasting world's definitely opened up, you know, for many of our members that listen, you know, that I, I get feedback all the time and they really enjoy XYZ podcasts. And they, they tell me I've learned this and I've learned that. And, you know, and just for me, you know, the whole point of LPT is just impacting um, a wider audience of the world. So, you know, that's one of the benefits to, 
you know, spreading wisdom and messages and, and inspirational stories. Because let's face it, I mean, you know, we've had a horrendous like year or two. So many people, we need to kind of club together. We need to have more positive conversations. We need to talk about health, wellness, even more. I, I feel personally, I think we had this conversation on, on my podcast with yourself is that if one thing, if there's a positive thing that COVID's brought along is it's the attention to taking personal responsibility for our health, you know, and yes, we, we, we can have vaccines and we can, you know, do things to mitigate you know, COVID and, and any other disease because COVID, you know, once that's gone, what's next? You know, there's, if, hopefully if there's one thing that COVID showed us that this can happen and, you know, this could have been much worse. And so let's really take it seriously now and really work on our health and, and not, not just rely on, you know, healthcare systems to look after us, I guess. Yeah. It's like you said with a strategic byproduct is like on that journey, you will discover your inner strength. You will restore your confidence. You will become more resilient. You will be more present with your family. And it's, it, you know, whether again, you arrive at some destination or not, it's the journey and, and every day taking that step just makes you feel just that much better. It's so empowering and Again, I wish more people would, you know, start down that path and just trust the process and understand that they would, they'll get to their, their, you know, what they're seeking over time. And the journey is so much more enjoyable along the way. I'm really curious. I'm going to put you on the spot here and I'm just going to ask you, how would you define success, the word success? And then the follow-up question is, would you consider yourself successful by that definition? Yeah, I, I, um, one word, fulfillment. Hmm. I, 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 that's for, for me, it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about, it's, you know, do I feel fulfilled with the time that I have on this planet, you know? So, and that is measured by the impact that I'm having in my business. It's measured by, you know, the impact I'm having on as a family man. And, 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 and because it's, it's one of those things that you have to reflect on regularly because obviously, you know, we want to increase our, our business growth and our financial growth. Like we said earlier, finances are really important, but it really is a juggling act. Everything's a juggling act, right? You know, your health, you want to improve your health, but if you spend all your time just training and just working on your nutrition, then you'd have no time for your kids and for your, for your family and for your business. So then you have to dedicate X amount of time for that and then X amount of time for your business. But, but yeah, for, for me, it really is about, fulfillment. Mm, I love that. That's and, and I feel, I feel good. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like it's a constant, it's a constant conquest to, I don't, I don't think you ever get there, whatever there is. And I don't think you're meant to, I don't think that's the point. I think we're, we're meant to just work on ourselves every day, try and be a little bit better. And ultimately that's why I'm so um, passionate about personal development. Mm. Brother, that's beautiful. I, I love that so much. What a great definition and explanation. If I, if I am living in your neighborhood and I'm shopping around looking for personal trainers or looking for faci facilities to work at, what, what would you hope I would discover about you and the way you approach fitness versus other, other com I, I guess, competitors, other people I could choose? Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, we are a little bit on our own. Um, which is, which is a good thing, but, but the, the thing ultimately is it, it is that triple H life, you know, at the three things that we focus on health, happiness, high performance, and, you know, and that holistic method of doing it. And, and it's really not about your, just your physical performance. It really is about your mental, emotional, spiritual performance and constantly being aware of, of where those are. And which areas need a little bit more attention, um, but you know we, we we've got a long way to go, and I've got big aspirations for the future. Uh, I'm really excited about the future. I think the next 10, 20 years are going to be some of the the most transformational in the history of of what we do. Um, just with the way tech is moving at a, a fast pace, I'm really excited about the moment when the businesses like mine and yours connect with high tech 
and the implications of that. When we get data that's going to be highly personalized and we can look at that data, interpret it and create the most, talk about personal training, but, you know, personal transformations on a level we never thought possible. You know, here are your bloods. Here, these are your hormone markers. These are X, Y, Z. This is the perfect training program for you. You know, we're not there yet. We're quite far away, but I think we're a lot closer than many people realize. Very well said. What makes you the most proud as you look back on your life? This could be something business related. It could be a success story. It could be something personal in your life. What do you feel the most proud about? Oh, um, it's quite a number of things. Obviously, obviously becoming a parent is, is the, the proudest moment of your life, <laughs> particularly because I did have cancer and, and we were told that we wouldn't have children. Um, you know, and we did end up managing to conceive naturally. And I do, I do think that a lot of that is down to the health, um, work that I put in, but, um, I, I gotta say one of the, one of the hardest things I ever did, I used to, is um is when when i ran my first ever fitness retreat in portugal um so we we ran fitness retreats uh, i worked at a retreat in the uk for many years that's one of the first kind of contracted jobs that i did as a freelancer but actually organizing that thing and having two weeks with people and seeing the transformations that you can get with someone when you're living with them day in day out that was just another level. Like, obviously it's great. We get to see our members sort of two, three times a week, but when you get to cook for them, when you get to train them, when you get to have conversations with them and workshops with them daily in and out, you know, um, and the, the sort of cam camaraderie that you get and the fulfillment that you get from creating such an experience, um, it's, it's really something else. Mm. Man, that's great. Dude, this has been another amazing conversation. I'm so glad I got to connect with you and consider you one of my really good friends. And I'm really glad that we were able to set these up. And I'm just wondering, like, if you wanted to leave the listener with one simple thing uh, to take into their lives, what would that be? Make the choice to work on yourself every day because not, not for reasons of selfishness, but to be a role model and leader to those around you. Mm, that's great. I, it feels initially like something that's very selfish, taking that time to work on yourself, but I think it's some of the most difficult and actually the most selfless things that you can do because you can, you can develop yourself and carry those gifts out into the world and share with them, with your loved ones, with your clients, with the people around you. So I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's fantastic. Where do you want people to go to find you and find your work and connect with you? Uh, to be honest, really, you know, um, follow us and uh, listen to our podcast. And, you know, if you enjoyed this conversation, then I'm sure you'd, you know, really enjoy the, ep the episodes that we have on Mastering You. So it's Mastering You with Matt Sutton. You can actually find we, our full back catalogue at masteringyou.co.uk. Um, so we have our own podcast website over there. And it's got all the, the links to all of the um, the platforms where you can listen. So if you've got a specific platform that you like listening on, um, it's got links to all of those. And, you know, if behavior change is something that you're really interested in, I do offer like half an hour free exploration calls where we just have a chat, where we understand better, you know, what's going on, what the possibilities are. And we have a, a whole course and like an eight week education course where you can really understand the neuroscience much better so you understand why you're having these thoughts why you're having these holdbacks and then we have some really cool strategies around how you can start thinking in the executive center of the brain the prefrontal cortex so you can think clearly logically and start taking action basically I love that. You have so many cool resources and so many episodes of Mastering You and a really diverse audience um, that, that will really appreciate your work. And so I highly encourage the listener to take you up on those offers and go find your work. Matt Sutton, what a pleasure, what an honor to host you on our show. We really appreciate you and everything you've done, all the obstacles you've had to overcome in your life and the gifts that you share with others. It's, it's really amazing and it makes an impact. So thank you so much. And we're so grateful for you and for your appearance here on our show. Okay, so I've absolutely enjoyed it. I've not done I've not done too much guesting, so I hope uh, I hope I did a good job. It, it's been hosting's been my main thing over the last few years, but um, 
yeah, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope the listeners did too. Well, absolutely, man. I mean, you're such a great host. Of course, you would be a great guest. So many great tidbits of wisdom <laughs> and, and different things that people can learn from this conversation. Of course, you, you're you're such a good host. You're hey, always Casey, it's way guest. more nerve wracking. It's way more nerve wracking being a guest than the host. You know, <laughs> that's funny. I actually think the opposite. I get a little bit more um, nervous okay. when I'm hosting. So that's funny. That's great. Well, we'll look forward to listening to more of your episodes and more of your content over time. And again, inc- highly encourage the listener to go out and find some of those resources that you have. So. Again, thank you so much, and thank you for appearing on our show. Thanks, Casey. Thank you. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.